Hi there and welcome to our uh, Thursday edition of Cross-Cultural Talk. Barrick Polson, LLP, is pleased to present today's Cross-Cultural Talk program here on Chin Radio at 97.9. Barrick Polson, LLP, practical legal services with no surprises at 236-0939. And I am delighted. We've been taking this show on the road uh, a couple of weeks back. We were at the National Arts Center, and now we are in Washington, D.C. with Ernie Tannis. Live from the faculty (laughs) law library at the College of Law in Washington American University, I'm here with Sean McDonald. Hello, Sean. Hello, how are you? Sean, welcome to Chin in Ottawa, Canada, and uh, I am delighted to have you on the air with Ernie this afternoon. I look forward to your participation today. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Now, the, the McDonald name is uh, dear to the hearts of our listeners. Uh, my wife, Yumna Ismail, is with me. Hello, Yumna. Hello. Kifik, Yumna. Kifik, Enta. And Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Hello your family? Yeah, I say hello to my mom, my dad, uh, Sherry, Osama. Uh, you better not miss anybody now. Gina, Rabia, May, and Moody. That's fabulous. Listen, um, and uh, we're being treated. Beautifully, you know, Ambassador John McDonald, Institute for Multi Track Diplomacy, has been on this show. He's a favorite, uh, and he and his beautiful wife Crystal have uh, been great hosts. We're staying at their place, and uh, we saw Washington at night last night, and she took us around this morning to the native. Uh, Smithsonian new building, and this afternoon we're going to see a few more sites, and tonight we're on a panel. So the McDonald's have been really wonderful as usual, and John is the grandson. Yes, now listen, there was a rumor, I'm not sure how true this is, you know how rumors get started, Ernie, Uh, but there was some talk that you were down there to go uh, hunting with uh, Vice President Cheney. Is that true or what? (laughs) When I I came down here, I wanted to get a shot in the arm on ADR, but I didn't expect (laughs) to get a shot like that, so... (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. So what do we got going on today, buddy? Well, there's an exciting event going on. I'm going to ask Sean about it, and I want to introduce uh, Sean McDonald, a uh, very dynamic young man, and uh, he's a candidate in the JD, that's Doctor of Jurisprudence. I'm very envious down here. You know, in Canada, we get a Bachelor of Arts and we get a law degree. We just get another bachelor's degree here. They get a Doctor of Jurisprudence. So. Wow. Listen, are the, are the, are the, uh, are the blossoms out yet? No, they're not out yet, but we were told by Crystal McDonald that you can't beat the cherry trees when they start blossoming, I, so we can't wait to come back to see them. I bet. All right, Ernie, take it away. It's all yours. Sean McDonald is a candidate in the JD and Master's in Conflict Resolution Program at the Washington College of Law and School of International Service at American University. In addition, he is a researcher with the Center for Peacebuilding International, working on a post-tsunami shelter analysis project in Sri Lanka. He also is working to broaden the Washington Tsunami Network, a network of practitioners, policymakers, and donors concerned with post-tsunami relief and reconstruction into a broader disaster response roundtable series. His primary interest focuses on the application of international and ADR law to conflict situations. He has worked for Senator McCuskey and her 2004 re-election campaign in her press department and for several law firms in Washington, D.C., area as a paralegal. He graduated in 2003 from the University of Maryland College Park with a BA in magazine journalism. He's one of the media guys with concentrations (laughs) in government, 
and Spanish. Welcome, Sean, to the live radio show on Chin Radio 97.9, Ottawa, Canada's capital. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. My first, my first broadcast radio experience. Well, listen, Sean, you're on a multicultural radio station. Maybe we'll get you to use some of your Spanish a bit later on as well. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> listen, right. why don't we uh, set up, uh, we're going to do three, uh, three segments. This first segment uh, I want to, uh, Gary, put a context for our listeners about where we are uh-huh. in Washington at the American University. And I've asked Sean to just give us a little bit of uh, background about American University and the College of Law. And um, and then we're going to end up about what this panel is on tonight in the second segment. Um, we'll talk about the panel tonight in detail. Okay. So, Sean, could you uh, do that? Let me just read one thing here. American University is for students who want to understand and influence how the world works. Well, that's quite a mission statement. Can you tell our listeners about this? Absolutely. Well, the School of International Service is the largest school for international relations in the United States. Uh, it's the second largest in the world. Um, and so that, that as an organization is, is, is a pretty solid infrastructure to be coming from in and of itself. The Washington College of Law um, has partnered with the School for International Service for its international law program. And the, the combination program that, my, that I'm a part of is actually uh, it's, it's a pretty dynamic program. But one of the things that's really uh, pretty tremendous about the Washington College of Law program, the international law program, is that unlike a lot of the other school focuses, um, there's, a, there's a strong focus on human rights, and there's a strong focus on, on grassroots advocacy, and, and the, student, the student body here is an extremely dynamic group of people. Um, one of the things that's been really a pleasure for me about being here is that a lot of the people come in with, with an agenda. A lot of people come in looking to make change. So it's not just getting a law degree. It's getting a law degree that they'll be able to use or that they already start using here and, and really make it work to try and make the world a better place. So it has an environment and an atmosphere that invites innovative thinking, which is what you're doing here. Absolutely. It's, you know, just because it's an adversarial system doesn't mean it has to be an adversarial environment. Oh, good. Well, you know, what, one thing that's also interesting, Gary, I was looking at the website, and mm-hmm. it, uh, it says that the Washington College of Law, founded in 1896, was originally primarily for women way back in the late 19th century. That seemed like foresight. Wow, no kidding, huh? Absolutely. Well, it's quite an enticement to come as well. Do <laughs> <laughs> say. Well, he's got. I've got all bases covered here. Hey, he's got his grandfather's wit, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, we 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 saw his uh, new office uh, last night too. Crystal McDonald took us there. It's a wonderful new office. Uh-huh. I don't want to forget to mention and remind uh, listeners if they want to visit the uh, imtd.org website, learn more about what uh, Ambassador McDonald is up to with his interns in the world. Uh, now, the College of Law merged with the university in 1949, so it was an independent uh, college, it seemed, for almost 50 years. Uh, that was a, so this is how the American University, I guess, developed. It started merging with other schools, the School of Business, the School of International Service. was added in 55. So is it still expanding? I noticed that when Crystal was taking it, it's a big campus here. It's all over the streets. Absolutely. I mean, I, I figure that, it, that it's always growing as, as, as all of the... the intellectual, um, as all of the ideas grow, the, the university just, you know, keeps up. Well, it's wonderful to be here, you know, and thanks to Gary Michaels, you know, uh, I think it's the only radio show I know about that's dedicated to alternative dispute resolution, and um, we're in the right place for that. And uh, We've been using the phrase, you know, Gary, ADR for 
ever. Yes. And some time ago, uh, I started to wonder, where did that phrase come from? Uh-huh. And um, it's always been of interest to me to sort of track that down. Um, in the research, I came across uh, what's called the Pound Conference, uh, named after Dean Roscoe Pound, as Crystal McDonald correctly uh, corrected me on. Um, he was a dean at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Back in 1976, Mr. Justice Warren Berger, the former Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, who's passed away, and he was the longest sitting Chief Justice in the 20th century, as far as, far as I know. He uh, was um, concerned about the uh, disrespect that was uh, shown towards the legal system. And at the Pound Conference, and before then, the idea of a dispute resolution alternatives to it seemed to be created. And I think, and this is what, I don't think the research is finished yet, but I think... Um, that phrase can be associated with him one way or another. In fact, I wrote to him years ago and asked him, would it be fair to say that historically? And his, he wrote back and said, yes, he, that would be the case. Now, I had talked today to what Elizabeth Medaglia, she's a lawyer in Washington, she did a paper in 2004 called Alternative Dispute Resolution and Overview, and there was a 25-year after pound, have we found a better way yet? So the phrase ADR seemed to arise out of that kind of thinking. Um, Sean, what did, when I started talking about this and this history and this thinking, what, did you have any thoughts on that? Had you thought about that? And um, would you help finish the research? <laughs> well, I will, I will certainly do what I can to contribute to the research. It seems to me that, um, that alternative dispute resolution law has grown out of a, out of a need, out of a need for an, another way to, to solve things. I think that, um, the system as it, as it was structured 30 years ago and as it is still structured in a lot of ways handles a lot of things very, very well, but I think that there are a lot of needs that may, that may fall by the wayside, and I think that alternative dispute resolution law, especially with, with a greater push in a lot of communities towards consensus building, towards um, collaborative decision-making, towards um, stakeholder involvement in, in greater decisions, and, and, and as even as media, as this is such a great example of, has empowered a lot of people's voices. You know, a lot of people are now feeling more like they want to be part of the decisions that will ultimately govern the realities of their life. And I think that alternative dispute resolution law has stepped in as a lot as a as a way to help people uh, solve these problems, and so that they can be extremely proactive about it. And when you um, <clears throat> you know first talked to me, and I think you got my name from your grandfather. And uh, indirectly from your Nomi, is that what you yeah. call your grandmother, Nomi? It's that nice, is. That's a neat name. Um, they call my wife, Fuma's Tata, <laughs> for, my, for my grandson. So they're all these neat names. Um, when you posed that to me about conflict resolution ADR law, it really helped crystallize for me. I've been looking even at my own book from 1989 about the mediation that's needed between the ADR, what's happening in the court system, and the development of conflict resolution. Um, that was sort of to me very insightful as you saw that. And in the book, uh, I have a chapter that ADR should not be alternatives to litigation. It should be alternatives for people on a continuum, on a spectrum. And I think one of the panelists are going to uh, talk about that. And before we go to the first break in a few minutes, I'm wondering how did you think about these, like these two fields as you call them, and come up with this idea for this kind of panel? How does it fit into your law studies, or is this sort of extracurricular? Well. Um I come from a pretty unique perspective in that I've always grown up around conflict resolution with my grandfather, but in terms of actually being engaged and and um, and, and really coming at it from a, a more educated perspective, 
I didn't do that until a little bit later in life. And so having sort of a fresh set of eyes and coming to both law and conflict resolution, because those were where a lot of my interests lied. Um, like you said, actually, Rob Fersh, who is the executive director of the Search for Common Ground USA here, um, one of the things that he said in when I was speaking with him was, you know, that, that ultimately these are all, like you said, a, parts of a continuum. And what's particularly interesting to me is we've had, we have all of these parts of a, of a broader continuum that are based on bringing everybody together to talk and to, and to formulate the best solutions, and yet these individual fields aren't doing it together. They're, mm -hmm. not, they're not as, they're not as, a, as a group of fields sitting down and talking about their mutual goals and the ways that they can support each other. And so conflict resolution and ADR law, to me, um, although conflict resolution has a lot of different styles of interventions and a lot of phases of conflict transformation and reconciliation and that kind of thing, some of the things that really get done are mediations, um, are negotiations, are bringing groups of people together to talk. And if, if you look at a lot of the, the commonly used ADR models in mediation and in negotiation, um, they're, they're very similar methodologies. And it seems to me as though both fields have their strengths and both fields have a, have a lot to, to bring to a table that could really help and, and transform conflict situations in general. Um, but specifically for me is, is violent conflicts because I think that that's where so much, so much damage gets done. So part of this, this panel discussion is, is talking about preempting violent conflict, is talking about uh, stopping it before it starts. And there are, there are a number of publications, both from the UN and a number of other things, that talk about the, the cheapest, um, both psychologically, both socially, um, economically, ways to deal with conflict are to, to make sure that they never start. And so it seems to me as though a lot of the, a lot of the strengths and focuses of both of these fields would really be best used, or if not best used, and certainly a great application of them would be getting them to work together to structure it so that these conflicts never, never become violent. Well, Gary, isn't it interesting that we have a, uh, a thoughtful young man here in his mid-20s talking about what he'll learn later in life? Uh, he sounds uh, much more mature beyond his age, I think, right? Well, listen, um, um, it's, it's very inspiring. You know, I, I, last weekend I was with the Kiwanis Club Circle, uh, Kirk Circle K, yeah. five universities, uh, different students, and I was very inspired by the thinking of the next generation and being with Sean, you know, re reminds me of that kind of inspiration. Yeah. And he, and he, he talked about uh, seeing things. There is a book um, called Seeing Law Differently, written by Alan Reed. I'm going to be quoting from that book today and tonight, but with um, Alan's permission, uh, Sean, because uh, I talked to him this morning, I'm going to give you on air a copy of his book as a gift from Canada. Thank you and very it's much. A, it's a really interesting book about right along your lines, and he gets into the philosophical, spiritual basis upon which as a human family, the processes. I have a sculpture of my book on a fist and handshake, and we'll talk about that in the next segment. But on behalf of Alan Reed and your new Canadian friends through your extended family, here's a copy of Alan Reed's book, They're Hard to Find. And thank you very much. That's thank you very keep. much. And Alan, if you're listening, uh, thank you very much. And, uh, well, thank you, Gary, for letting We're on another polycom here, same as the Art Center. I'm wondering if uh, uh, we could um, maybe go to a break, because I'm not there to sort of do these hand signals with you. So I have to... Oh, I can see you, I can see you through, the, through the radio speakers. It's how all right. Yeah. How, how, do, how do we look here? Actually, uh, you, look really, you look better in Washington than you look in Ottawa, man. <laughs> That's the truth. 
<laughs> All right, so you are listening to Chin 97.9 in Ottawa, and this is our uh, Thursday program on alternative dispute resolution featuring my uh, co-host each and every Thursday, Ernie Tennis, coming to you live from uh, the Washington College of Law, the faculty library, and we will return with more in just a bit. 236-0939 is the number to call for Barry Polson. Real estate matters, both commercial and residential, are part and parcel of the services Barrick Polson can offer you. Their multifaceted bilingual staff offers professional, personalized service no matter what the need may be. Call 236-0939. Litigation, mediation, family law, tax law, licensing and technology, and so much more. Barrick Polson, a multi-religious, multilingual law firm ready to serve and just a phone call away. 236-0939. The Pizza Pizza Chef's lining up the offense. He's cooking up a delicious medium Italian-style deep dish pan pizza with pepperoni and mozzarella for just $9.99. With that, you get a two-for-one new movie rental from Rogers Video and get the same second and third pizza for just 5 bucks each. He's reaching into the oven. He's going deep, deep. Pizza Pizza's new delicious Italian-style deep dish pan pizza. A real fan favorite. 9, 6, 7, 11, 11. Come to Pizza Pizza. Hey, hey, hey. Soak up the warmth of Cuba's sunshine and relax at the fabulous Sol Serenus Resort in Veradero, Cuba. Chin Radio, Jerry Apsey, Selton Azum, and Ports of Call Travel Services invite you to join us for this first annual all-inclusive Chin Arabic Winter Picnic. Ottawa departure is March 19th, returning the 26th. Call and book now. Don't be disappointed. Ports of Call Travel Services, 238-2400. It is 1224, 2 degrees, the uh, expected high for Ottawa today under sunny skies. And we are off to Washington, D.C. once again with Ernie Tannis and his uh, special guest on uh, uh, Chin Radio's Alternative Dispute Resolution and Cross-Cultural Talk. Ernie? Yes, and we're surrounded by lots of uh, law texts. And one of the things, uh, Sean, tonight that I'm going to try to throw out as part of the philosophy is that why don't we go from law and order to love and order? We can have the same discipline with a different attitude. And attitude is really at the core of what we're talking about here. And I'm wondering in this second segment, I'm going to sort of pass over to Sean. He's he's really amassed, and a a couple of the other panelists are going to be very exciting. Um, You've got Ron Robert Fersh. Executive Director of Search for Common Ground. I'll let you talk more about him. And Ron Fisher is a Professor of International Peace and Conflict Resolution here at the American University, and Professor Syed is the chair, and he'll be there tonight. Ron Fisher, by the way, is also from Canada, from Saskatchewan, I believe. Yep. Good. good. Um, That's good, because a lot of the farm mediation came from there. So the whole idea of how this panel came about, um, how he's promoting the panel, what's going to happen tonight, is what we're going to talk about here so our listeners can get a sense of that not being here. So, Sean, why don't you uh, just take, take some time and, and just talk about this. I think you know it by heart now. Yeah, well, I've certainly, I've certainly had a good number of conversations about it. Um, like we were saying earlier, one of the things that really struck me when I first started studying uh, both ADR law and, and conflict resolution is that um, it is, is the way that they, they, can, they can work together but, but haven't communicated very much in the past. And I, I felt like, 
I felt like any time that you could, that you propose to two, to two groups of people that don't talk to talk, it's a little bit tougher of a sell than it normally would be. And I was expecting, and I've actually been very pleasantly surprised um, with a lot of the response that I've gotten because because these are groups of people who are by their nature open to having dialogue and conversation. And so I've been. Uh, I've been very, very fortunate to, to both be on the phone with a lot of the people that I've been on the phone with, but also to have the support of a lot of the people that I've had that, that, have, that have ideologically and um, pragmatically lent their, lent their help. Um, I, I, I should start with uh, Rob Fersh, who is he's someone who he does all of the, the USA programming for the Search for Common Ground, which, if you don't know about it, is a tremendous conflict resolution organization. Oh, just on that point, so I, I don't mean to interrupt, I'm going to do a course called The Art of Interruption, so I'm practicing. <laughs> but, uh, I wanted to mention, Gary, for our listeners, and to remind us, we actually had John Marks on the radio show. That's right. And he came to Ottawa, who was the founder of Search for Common Ground. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, so it's really neat, and I didn't realize till uh, this panel that this person that's on the panel was part of that organization. So we're so I'm glad that I wanted to make that connection. Go ahead. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that they did... Um, a project of the Search for Common Ground is something called the United States Consensus Council. And what that aimed to do was bring together everyone from former cabinet secretaries, senators, congressmen, um, experts on various issues, and and coalesce these groups of um, interested and influential parties around contentious social issues. So health care policy, I know, is something that they did recently. Um, and, and a lot of times these are very long-lasting kinds of conversations. But what happens is in bringing together these people from various perspectives and backgrounds, you start with a lot of, um, a lot of different perspectives. And over the process of, of, of even years sometimes, um, with, with the right type of guidance and mediation and negotiation, the way that these people are able to work together, and, and starting with a common understanding that they are all in this to work together, which I think is probably pretty important. Mm-hmm. Um, they ultimately come out with a set of policy suggestions that they are then able to, that they all agree on, and that they are then able to convey to the people who are, who are ultimately making these decisions. And I think that that, as a model of decision-making about social policy and a model of, of coming together around contentious issues, and not only being willing to talk and have, have a reasoned conversation about it, but being willing to, to compromise and, and come together over something that is inherently, inherently difficult to do, I think, I think it, it's a shift in thinking um, that is pretty remarkable. And so I was, I was immediately drawn to that as an idea, um, and, and I thought that that would be a very, very rich perspective to have on the panel tonight. Mm-hmm. And, and that segue is actually relatively nicely into Professor Fisher, who has done a significant amount of work with um, conflict psychology, but also with ethno-political and, ethno- and violent conflict mediation. And, and so one of the things that Professor Fisher brings that is pretty exceptional is that he, is, he understands the human element and of conflict resolution exceptionally well and, and has really done a lot of pretty incredible work in that field. Um, and he's able to He's able to, and, and I think that probably Mr. First shares this, um, he's able to work with personalities and work with people as individuals and perspectives and sort of bring them all together. Uh, and I've, 
so in bringing these two panelists together, and of course yourself, a, a distinguished ADR practitioner and someone who's, who's used um, ADR in a lot of really interesting and exciting ways, the idea, the idea for me is to really see how, how ADR law can be used as a platform for the type of consensus um, that, that Mr. First is bringing together over social policy issues around conflict issues. And so the, what I really, I guess the way that I see it playing out or hopefully starting is a little bit about using ADR as a legitimate sort of third-party platform for which um, consensus can be drawn over like, these very contentious and difficult social issues and, and be done in a way that sort of brings together leaders and diffuses some of these social tensions before they boil over into becoming um, really violent and before, before different, different factions of cultures or different cultures really start injuring each other because that starts sort of an, an entire other phase, an entire other set of needs. Um, so, so really seeing someone like Professor Fisher and Mr. Fersh and, of course, yourself have a conversation about the way in which these three, these three points on the continuum can sort of work together to, to hopefully make a straight line, um, we, you know, I think we could really... I think we could really come up with some, some pretty exceptional ideas and, and, and really also get the word out there that there are these other, other means of, of accomplishing these things. Wonderful. Geez, now I know the panel I'm on tonight even more. And <laughs> Gary, did you hear him call me distinguished? You know, I feel like that comedian, you know, that says, I go, don't get no respect. I got to come to Washington to be called distinguished. Well, I had to just pick, up, pick myself up off the floor after I said that. I was... <laughs> well, it's good to be a legend in your own mind. But actually, Sean has distinguished himself, it seems to me, about even just uh, convening this. Now, you, uh, I refer you too also to uh, Tom Colosi. And his yeah. wife, Susan Cheryls, are in the field. And thanks to Tom, as a matter of fact, that I met Ambassador McDonald, and then, of course, Crystal. Um, and Tom's done great work, uh, the core model, but I think he's in Italy. He is. He's in Sicily. Yeah, do you today. want to say something in Spanish to him? Gracias por su ayuda. And that was uh, clean language, by the way, Gary, if you're wondering. I was going to say, go Canada, go, but it's too late now. <laughs> Well, once I did some work with uh, Tom, of course, Ambassador McDonald, too, with the Mohawk Territory of Aquasasne, which we'll be talking about tonight. And, um, and that, was, that was quite a combination of all these things in the ancient Native tradition um, and the culture. And I said to him one night, Tom, how did your day go? He said, never ask an Italian, how did your day go? <laughs> and I said, anyway, yeah. it took me a while to get it. But just want to remind, uh, pardon me, Ernie. Excuse me, I just want to remind listeners that they are listening to Chin in Ottawa 97.9, and uh, we are certainly available on the Internet at www.chinradio.com, and just have to click on uh, the Ottawa link, and you'll pick us up anytime, anywhere in the world, and we are slowly but surely spreading uh, spreading the word on ADR. Thanks to Ernie Tannis on, on this radio program, Ernie. Well, thank you. Thanks to Chin Radio that's taken this incredible initiative. To, I think it's the first... I, I don't know of any other radio program that just dedicates itself to ADR, but until someone tells us otherwise, we'll say that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, maybe uh, we'll talk a little more detail about tonight's panel. How do you see the uh, evening unfolding? Can you just describe for listeners, pretend that they're coming here? How did people find out about this panel? What did you do to get the word out? Well, can you talk about the kind of support you got? There's a few organizations that help support you. It would be nice to get some acknowledgement to them on the Absolutely. air. Absolutely. And... Um, Maybe we can discuss that and uh, and who you expect to show up. Absolutely. Well, I, 
like I said, I, I sort of, um, with, with any of these sort of cross-field uh, cross kinds of ideas, I think that there's a, a lot of, I mean, really it's about communication. And so anyone who's interested in the way that people communicate, in the way that people bring together consensus and, and sort of come together over these issues, I think that there's, there's a lot of people who are really interested to hear it. So um, it was, so we've put it out, we've put the word out everywhere. We have it at um, every, every major institution in the Washington, D.C. area, everywhere that has uh, a conflict resolution program in the D.C. area. Yeah. Uh, we've, done, we've circulated the word through the Association for Conflict Resolution, which has been very helpful, um, through the ABA and the ADR division. ABA is the American Bar Association. Yep, I'm sorry. No, fine. <laughs> and then uh, the, the American Arbitration Association, we've gotten it out to local practitioners, to local lawyers, to NGOs, to a lot of people who, who to IMTD, to ICAR. a lot of people, to ICAR uh, at George Mason. What is the ICAR? Institute for Conflict uh, Analysis. and Analysis and Resolution. Um, American University has been exceptionally supportive. The... The Institute for Peace and Conflict Resolution, which is a division of the School for International Service, has been just absolutely incredible about facilitating this. Their alumni organization has been great. Um, the, the coordinator for the program, who's a man named Zen Hunter Ishikawa, has been absolutely tremendous. And then the student groups have been very, very supportive in a lot of great ways. Um, here at the law school, it's the, the Alternative Dispute Resolution Law Society, which is actually a, a still a very young organization but one that's getting out and, and really supporting some pretty excellent programming. Um, there's also the Society for Peace and Conflict Resolution, uh, and, and their president, Todd Walters, has been just instrumental in putting this entire thing together. Um, it's been one of the things that has been, uh, it, it's not even surprising, but it has been very, very gratifying about this, is the number of people with whom the, the concept seems to resonate and who, are, who seem to really get truly enthusiastic about it. Um, and, and the amount of institutional support, both, both the student organizations and the university itself, has just been tremendous. That gives you a reassurance and an affirmation then that you know, the, the, this idea is resonating, <laughs> therefore it must be universal. And I love the word enthusiasm. I had an atheist friend who was just all excited about the He was enthusiastic about the idea I said, that's good for an atheist, because enthusiasm is from the Greek <laughs> on tales, God within. So I said, you see, you're part of the family of God. <laughs> you didn't even know it. But uh, that is reassuring to you, then, and, and to, the, to the field as well. Gary, isn't that exciting to just to, to hear the kind of, you know, here we are on radio, we're talking about these universal themes, that we talk about world peace through inner peace, and uh, it's really consistent with the kinds of things we've been doing over the last, what, is 55 shows now. Yeah, and you know, the one, uh, the one key element of... Uh, of what uh, Sean just shared with us was uh, was the word about communicating, and I think that's so important, isn't it, Ernie? Yes, it is. And, you know, I wonder if you and uh, I'm going to bring Gary in now. I'm going to facilitate between because I'm thinking now, Gary, because you and I have talked about this many times about the role of the media, and Sean, of course, has taken journalism and the role of the media in conflict resolution. And I know that you have said yourself, how I don't know what word you would use. I don't put words in your mouth, but the media could do a better job in re reporting the resolution of conflict rather than making it worse uh well it seems it seems to me that uh 
Pardon me again. It seems to Want me that water? I have water, and uh, maybe there should be something in the water that, <laughs> that would help. But the media seems to be grabbing onto the uh, the sensational uh, sensationalistic headlines, and 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 certainly they uh, they're out there to 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 uh, uh, relay to their listeners and to their readers and viewers. Uh, what is going on, but we never hear of those uh, those good news stories often enough and I think when you uh, you 're able to uh, to pick up a story uh, where there a conflict has been resolved through mediation uh, um, without litigation and, and and I think we should start blowing that horn a little more often How, how do you feel about that sean well it 's interesting that that you that you'd say that gary i i I started as a journalism major, and one of the things that um, that that really bothered me about the media was the was the move towards sensationalism and and a lot of the ways in which um, I guess debate is seized upon not as an intellectual exercise or even necessarily as a productive exercise, but as for people just sort of sounding off about their own agenda. Uh-huh. Um, I have I have a, a couple of good friends, but one of the the perfect organization or one of the perfect media programs as an example of that is if you look at. Um, I guess CNN's recently canceled Crossfire, yeah. or some of those types of com- some some of those types of shows. Those are such an opportunity for people to come together and have really reasoned and and you know um, intellectual conversations about even even if there's not consensus at the end. Although, what an opportunity it would be to bring about a reasonable compromise, right? Um, and and it, and it you know a lot of times it just turns into to screaming matches. Why? Why was that show canceled? Do you know? Was it? Was it? It couldn't be low ratings. They had to have a huge audience. I, you know, I can't say exactly why it was canceled. But, it's too um, bad. It really yeah, it is, is too, too bad. bad. Yeah. And Aaron Brown was canceled too. I don't want to happen to him. I always wonder what happened to him too. Huh. Anyway, um, <laughs> what we don't have to speculate about is the fact that there, is between strikes, courts, and wars, um, which are human elements, they take up maybe ten to fifteen, maybe twenty percent at the most of resolution of issues yeah. but they get 95 percent of all the media attention and i think that's what you're you're saying gary is the the, the ethics of journalism but they say they have to sell papers mm-hmm. or they have to sell news and they have to sell tv shows but um we tried to get the media together to talk about the role of media as australia you may know they give out awards every year to radio tv and print for the best balanced reporting of conflict especially if i can ask talk to you both about you know before we finish this second segment and we're going to come back and talk about the vision in the future, is the, um, the idea of giving um, awards to people in the media for proper reporting. Because in the global communication, like within a minute, something, whether it's a cartoon, whether it's a word, whether it's a... People can be manipulated through other agendas and... I'm not sure if the media sat back and thought about this as much as it should. Well, we've but, often uh, we've often heard the term uh, infotainment uh, being used with uh, with the media as well, and uh, in a lot of cases, it uh, it seems to me that that's what it's become. Well, one of the um, one of the tracks in the the Institute of Multitrack Diplomacy at imtd.org is the media, um, and Ambassador McDonald has always said, you know, peace is too important to be left to diplomats and politicians, and you have to look at the idea that the media is, is individual citizens, it's business, it's uh, NGOs, and so on. Um, it might be nice, you know, Sean, and, uh, when you have more spare time to convene the media on this topic, uh, without it being a media bashing party. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, one of the things that 
that the media always gets into is, is it has a really a, a real identity crisis with is it a reflection of or a guide to you know what is going on in in society and I think that a lot of times um, I think I think it would behoove behoove people to talk more about to take more of a, a leadership role I mean certainly the media shouldn't be creating the news but if you focus people um, if you focus the more focus you put on a type of behavior or a type of thought or a, a means of communicating, the more people respond to that specific thing. And so as a reflection of us as a whole, I mean, I wouldn't behoove us to spend more time on, on focusing on the ways that we, can, that we do work together or the, the successes that we have or the fact that, you know, in Sri Lanka right now, for example, there's, there have been some stories about, about the conflict and about potential civil war, but right now they're, they're in Geneva negotiating. And wouldn't it be interesting to hear more oh, about uh, that. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we, so we know we have to uh, break up a fight, but we also do have to have a break in the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Gary, I wonder if we could uh, take that uh, little lead in, and uh, we'll come back in the third segment. We're going to talk about some visioning for the future. Indeed, we shall, Ernie. And again, I thank you very much uh, with uh, Ernie Tannis uh, in Washington, along with uh, Sean McDonald sharing uh, the podium today, if you will, on our Alternative Dispute Resolution Program. This is our regular weekly feature each and every Thursday here on Chin at 97.9. The Pizza Pizza Chef's lining up the offense. He's cooking up a delicious medium Italian-style deep dish pan pizza with pepperoni and mozzarella for just $9.99. With that, you get a two-for-one new movie rental from Rogers video and get the same second and third pizza for just five bucks each he's reaching into the oven he's going deep deep pizza pizza's new delicious italian style deep dish pan pizza a real fan favorite Nine, six seven eleven eleven come to pizza pizza hey 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 eric polson ottawa's full service law firm is just a phone call away at 236-0939 real estate wills family matters mediation litigation whatever and when Whenever the need arises, you can count on Barrick Polson for professional and personal attention. Barrick Polson, referred by many, chosen by many, and just a phone call away, 236-0939. Barrick Polson is Ottawa's full-service multilingual law firm. Call them today, 236-0939. Español, Punjabi, Tagalog, Lebanese. Italiano. We speak your language on Ottawa's Multicultural Voice Chin Radio 97.9 FM. We'll continue on uh, Chin's cross-cultural talk program for this Thursday afternoon. It is 12:45. We're coming up on 12:45. And it's 12:45 in Washington as well, isn't it, Ernie? It's the same time zone here. The weather is a little bit uh, warmer. What is the temp? What is the temp there? Do you know offhand? 45. 45 degrees. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we, have, we have some secret help in the room here, so, uh, so some, background, some background help here. There you go. Um, no, it's really wonderful here, and uh, boy, it's really interesting within a few blocks, literally, you have the seat of power in the world. Like, it's amazing when you just, just go by these buildings and you see what, you know, the decisions are made by people, and it comes down to people making decisions, really, at the end of the day. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are. And tonight, um, uh, you know, Sean has made this decision. To, this, is this pro bono uh, tonight, or do you get credit for the university? I love the word pro bono, but... Uh. Well, I, I get paid in, in the gratification of, of getting the idea out there. Um, mm. This has been it, something that I've done. Yeah, it's completely pro bono. As a matter of fact, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just been the kind of thing that, that really, it, it's an idea that I'd like to see 
enter the discourse. I'd like to see more dialogue about. And so hopefully, you know, hopefully that'll happen tonight. And hopefully some of the ideas that, that you all put forward will really, um, will really get some traction and, and we'll be able to see maybe more, more about the fields working together. One of the great things about having professionals from both fields in the room is that you immediately have the opportunity right after the panel to, to sit down and, and, and talk about practical ways or even, even just say hello and, and you know, get to know what, what each other does. Um, I, and so really, I just want to see the idea start moving. Well, I'm really looking forward to meeting Robert Fersh and, and meeting and seeing Ron Fisher again. I mean, he's been, his thinking really helped a lot of us back in the 80s. Um, now, after the panel tonight, Yumna and I are going to be whisked back to the airport, so unfortunately we won't be able to interact. But who do you expect to show up tonight? What kind of, what, what kind of audience do you think you'll we'll have? And maybe you can describe briefly for the listeners how the evening is going to unfold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it will begin with a, uh, a reception where, where people will have the opportunity to, to do some of the conversation. So before we whisk you away and before the panel even starts, you'll be able to get some of your ideas out there and meet some of the, some of the people. Um, the people themselves, I think, are going to be a, a pretty diverse group, which I'm, I'm really excited about. I've been talking a lot about this as a panel as an, and as an idea with fellow students and have gotten really, really exceptional response. Uh, a lot of the professional community has responded uh, very well, both on, on, the, on the ADR side and the conflict resolution side, and, and not that they're even separate sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been really impressed and surprised by the number of people from, from even slightly different walks of life that are interested in this as, as a means of communication. One of the, someone uh, RSVP'd to me recently from the American Bar Association who is interested in ADR law, but, but his specialty is in commercial law. And, and that, is, that is something that, that is absolutely a part of the entire paradigm and a part of the, mm-hmm. the continuum, but it's, it's not something that I had seen not even someone who I'd initially thought, thought to market it to. And so um, it's really exciting to me to see a lot of broad-based support from different levels and different stages of careers uh, coming, coming forward. And, and that's really what we, who we hope shows up. And that diversity is also cultural diversity, which fits into this multicultural station. When you were talking earlier about the consensus, when, uh, it made me think that when the Europeans came here, and uh, when, when we talked to Ambassador McDonald. They said there was the Phoenicians who came here first, but historians won't uh, sort of go with that story. <laughs> but um, it, yeah. it, it was not until 1992 that the United States, through a joint resolution of the Senate and uh, House, uh, recognized that the U.S. Constitution was modeled on the Iroquois Confederacy, which was a consensus model. It wasn't a community said that we're going to win-lose in our elections here. It was a consensus model, as uh, your... Uh, as you know, me said, you know, the women, the role of women is very, very important. And in that society, the women elevate the chiefs, and they have a consensus around it. One Mohawk uh, leader, Jolene Adams, whom your grandfather knows well because he was down there, who ran this mediation center, was that the government here took the native model and took the soul out of it. Oh, it, wow. it, it took the soul out of the consensus and it made it this sort of a win-lose kind of, of outcome. So that's exciting to see that. And then we, all these things pose questions. And um, we, have, uh, we have a few minutes left. I want to just pose a couple of questions, look at some of the, the big picture, which we like to do. Uh, there is a quote from um, Ronald Dworkin from a book called Law's Empire from 1986. Now, this book was the winner of the Silver Gravel Award of the American Bar Association. And in it, uh, he writes, what is law? Now I offer a different kind of answer. Law is not exhausted by any catalog of rules or principles, each with its own dominion over some discrete theater of behavior. 
nor by any roster of officials and their powers, each over part of our lives. Law's empire is defined by attitude, not territory or power or process. It is interpretative, self-reflective attitude addressed to politics in the broadest sense. This is, anyway, what the law is for us, for the people we want to be and the community we aim to have. And when you think of your, your, uh, your inner inspiration, your motivation, and you hear comments like this from some of your own leaders here, um, what does that tell you about the kinds of philosophy that you're also aspiring people to follow? Uh, it's it's, it's uh, certainly a, a wonderful group of people to have, to have blazing the trail. Um, I think that when talking about law as a reflection of attitude, I think that a, lo- a lot of it is about attitude and, and really investing in, in the way that we want common discourse to go. And I think that alternative dispute resolution as, as a concept, as you mentioned earlier with Justice Berger, and then even as it's progressed, um, is, really, is really people saying and, and, and the law recognizing that, that maybe the constant adversarial system or, or, or maybe the adversarial system in, in every single instance isn't always the best way to go. It certainly is in a lot of ways, and but consensus building and coming together to, to make these decisions, I think, is something that's that's really important. And I think that um, ADR law is sort of the law's attempt, at least at first, to, to bridge that gap, to really to get from one type of decision making to another, um, and and to address the fact that there is a real need for that, and there's a real desire for people to interact that way. So I, I think it's absolutely fantastic, not only that people. Have and and great men um, have have come forward and, and women and, and women and women yes. great practitioners in general everybody involved um, have come forward to say uh, you know both the philosophical need for it and then the practical and and the, the real ways that that need can be met. Um, these are uh, these ideas can actually be implemented. It's not just uh, you know pie in the sky stuff and. Uh, it behooves me to say, I use the word behoove. I love that word. Very few people use the word behoove anymore. <laughs> but uh, at a really very stimulating dinner conversation last night with your grandfather and uh, with uh, your Nomi, Crystal McDonald, I found the other part of that coin, which isn't often discussed, is what happens after a strike, after a war, after a judgment. And my, my sense is from my life experience and my, my professional practices. We have court and ex-mediation in Ottawa. Now we're starting mandatory references for mediation of family disputes, although you don't have to do mediation. But in the other, these other systems of win-lose systems, when it's over, when there's a settlement, what happens to people? They're dead, damaged goods. Even, um, I think, in, in any history of in, in, intervention by even war, what happens after? And that's where the conflict resolution field, I think, has a place to play in after a settlement whether it's adjudicated, whether the people come to a, a deal. And that feature, the philosophy of that feature, um, how does that fit in? When we were talking about last night, it was interesting. That's the other side of the coin that often isn't discussed, like when a court case is over or a strike is over. There's still, I've done post-strike conflict resolution intervention both in the United States and Canada. And that creates a dynamic that if it's not addressed, it creates festers for future disputes. Absolutely. And I, I think that that's really one of the key elements of, of the direction that tonight's panel is, is to go, is to talk about really avoiding that altogether. Uh, reconciliation and, and conflict transformation around helping groups of people start interacting and start living normal lives in which, in which those wounds don't fester into new conflicts has become 
an enormous concern of the conflict resolution field, and and has done a uh, and they have done a tremendous job with identifying and working with groups of people to sort of um, sort of bring cultures back together. But I think that that for tonight's panel and for and for the type of conversation and, and consensus and dialogue that we're talking about, it's really about it's really about um, again about about bridging that that social rift before it even before it even gets to the point where these cultures are injuring each other i mean if you can if you can create a forum for people to to voice their concerns without having to to, to resort to violence or, or resort to really damaging each other then i think that you save you save a lot of people and and a lot of cultures a lot of i mean you save them a lot of heartbreak and and i think that 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 having that that mentality and having the the, the wherewithal to say that we can really get together and, and deal with, with our, our contentions uh, civilly and, and have really, you know, strong debate, and, and, but then come together and compromise in solutions we can all agree on is, is a really, really strong way to, to preserve cultures before they, even, before they even start hurting each other. I'm glad you used the word bridging, um, because bridging the gap is a big thing. And in the field, there's a, I hope to remember to mention this tonight, but... Uh, Roger Hill from Ottawa, um, he spent a few years and he presented a paper at the Carter Center called Bridging the, the Gap. And, like, there's a science of war, there's a science of litigation, there's a science of everything. There's also a science of conflict resolution. There's a science of peacemaking. And the gap is how much information there is, but how little is it talked about or applied. More importantly, how little budgets. Oh. And when your grandfather spoke uh, a while ago and, and uh, Crystal came up to the auto. It was a nice visit. He gave a Martin Luther King lecture. It's on the website, adrcenter.org. It's a great speech. He said, oftentimes when you are moving somewhere and you can see something happening which for the common good for the future, the budget stops. Yeah. And that challenge of the, the not, not society not allocating budgets in the three minutes I think we have left, you want to talk about um, uh, even at your younger age, whenever young or old, that idea, why doesn't society apply more of money to this kind of stuff. We seem to throw as much money as we want to all these other processes that are adversarial. Well, it, it's, it's difficult to, to say um, because it, it makes so much intuitive sense, I think, to people who are already paying a lot of attention to these ideas. I, I mean, fundamentally, I don't, I don't know how much... I think people don't think that necessarily there's a lot of even money in it. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think that in peace, that there's, it's the kind of thing that... Um, that it, it's so in, it's so intuitive that I just I don't I actually have a really hard time understanding why the decision makers don't allocate more of the budget to it. Well, good. Well, I, just, well, I asked what kind of thinking goes on at the top, and your best result said what thinking. <laughs> like, you know, maybe you could become a decision maker, Gary. According to Washington Time, we have a couple minutes left. Uh, we do, Ernie. We have uh, two minutes to go, and I just wanted to mention, you know, with uh, Sean uh, talking about communicating and uh, uh, mediation, uh, I should mention to you uh, that up here uh, we uh, we had a threat in Ontario that uh, CUPE would walk out uh, the Canadian Union of Public Employees, but uh, last night around 6.30 uh, they announced that the walkout or the one-day strike has been averted thanks to communication, mediation, and uh, talks that were very, very positive. Well, that's that's good to get that to get that word out, and this is going to be one of the few times on my wife, Jumna, will have a word, but not the last word, because the last word is going to go to Sean, but Jumna wanted to uh, 
add something before the show was over. I just want to say hello to Shanda and uh, and everybody at the Beric Paulson Law Firm. Yeah, Shanda Tan is my beautiful daughter, 3D, I call her. Dad, dad's darling daughter. And um, <laughs> you're a darling grandson, I know that, and you're a wonderful young man. And I just wanted to maybe, Sean, let... Um, you have a last word. I'm just going to give a quick quote from Derek Balk, and we think we have time for you to have about a 45 seconds, which is what Derek Balk, Harvard Law School president, at one time said, over the next generation, I predict that society's greatest opportunities will lie in tapping human inclinations towards collaboration and compromise. If lawyers are not leaders in marshalling cooperation, they will not be at the center of the most creative social experiment happening in our times. Any final thoughts on the future and all the hats you're wearing, what role you hope to play? Well, absolutely. I, I guess first I'd like to say thank you um, both to, to the listeners and to you for inviting me on the show. This is, this is a tremendous example of that collaborative uh, experiment taking place. And, you know, I think that um, in being a part of it and, and really getting people together to have these conversations and to sit down and to change the way that we talk and to, to really work together to, to, come, to come together with solutions, we... Uh, we will be a part of a great social movement for change. So I think it also speaks great things that two out of our three panelists are, are from Canada and, uh, <laughs> and, and are leaders in their fields in this way. So um, thank you very much. Well, thank you. We need to thank uh, you, Sean, and thank Crystal McDonald for everything she's done, uh, not just your grandfather, but she's been everywhere with us, and she's helped us even in this past hour. She's a hour. wonderful lady. Yeah, she's a wonderful <laughs> lady, and uh, thank you. And thank you, Gary Michaels, once again for giving some time. To ADR, we will go far with ADR. Thank you, guys. And, Sean, if you ever get a chance, come on up and visit us here in Ottawa. We look forward uh, to meeting you in person. Today's Cross-Cultural Talk program has been presented in part by Barrick Polson LLP, practical legal services with no surprises at 2360939. The Pizza Pizza Chef's lining up the offense. He's cooking up a delicious medium Italian-style deep dish pan pizza with pepperoni and mozzarella for just $9.99. With that, you get a two-for-one new movie rental from Rogers Video and get the same second and third pizza for just 5 bucks each. He's reaching into the oven. He's going deep, deep. Pizza Pizza this new delicious Italian style deep dish pan pizza. A real fan favorite. Nine, six, seven, eleven, eleven. Come to Pizza Pizza. Hey, hey, hey. This is CJLL, Ottawa's multicultural.